Welcome to The Alamon Show. Here, we'll discover the success stories of local business trailblazers, where we discuss topics from marketing strategies to community engagement. You'll gain practical insights for your own venture. Join us weekly to celebrate and learn from our local entrepreneurial heroes. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and become a part of our growing community of business enthusiasts and entrepreneurs. Now, let's get started. So tell me about how you got into it. I know you said it's a family business, but Mm -hmm. was there anything that happened or a class that you took or just being around it for so long? Mainly just being around it. I always had an act for construction and like building things, the gratification of, you know, you work all day and you've put something together. Um, Of course, I was a big Lego person as a kid which seemed kind of a natural fit. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I ended up going to school for construction at Virginia Tech, and uh, they have a very well-known uh, building construction program is actually what it's called. And once I graduated, I went and worked for a bigger builder in uh, Washington, D.C. called Skanska. They're, they're a global company. They do tens of billions a year and. And construction worldwide, but I, I worked on local projects, uh, American University, Virginia Hospital Center, uh, the borough and Tyson's Corner. And then after, right when COVID hit in 2020, I ended up, it kind of worked out. Um, I, I parted ways with that company and just joined our family business because we were taking on some more projects that, you know, needed additional help for. We didn't weren't really set up from technology end. To, to handle them. So I kind of went in, that, like went in the there IT with that guy. young brain and started like exactly. systemizing and technologically updating everything. <laughs> yes. You know, very much a move away from pen and paper to yeah. computer programs, software, CAD, um, a, a lot more 3D rendering. You know, just things that as you, as technology advanced in, you know, construction businesses, which is usually a business that's behind in technology, uh, you know, people are expecting that. So yeah. I was able to kind of bring that to our, our business and along with, you know, just other processes and procedures that were needed um, to kind of help expand it. So. Where do you see the construction business specific to our area in Northern Virginia? Because... I feel like construction, like, it's so much faster here in Northern Virginia. I'm from Indiana. Okay. In Indiana, it would take things like years to get built. Whereas here, it's like, I'll go on vacation for a month, come back. Not really a month, but, you know, like, I'll leave for a month somewhere, come back, and it's like, I don't even recognize this place. (laughs) Sure. Well, there's just such a demand, you know, due to the the area we live in, the higher incomes, the the more wealth that's concentrated. There's just a demand for, you know, from public construction to private, uh, you know, more amenities, more roads, more, you know, as we always see the data centers going up so fast. Um, so there's just a lot of money involved in the, in the area that I think helps inject, you know, a certain kind of speed and efficiency right. to right. getting talks. things done. So, uh, I would say that's probably the major factor in the, in this area. 
So, so where do you see where do you see things shifting though? Like, do you see any types of changes from like construction from like twenty years ago versus now, or anything? Yes, you know, from a residential standpoint, I, I see a lot of folks back in the '90s, early 2000s. There was a big push for people to build McMansions, mm-hmm. five to seven thousand square foot homes on you know, one acre lots with 24 foot uh, foyer ceilings, you know, 10 foot ceilings all throughout the main level. And now people are becoming, in my opinion, more green and more, they're building to the land better. They're, they're looking for the modern farmhouse, which is a very popular building style right now. One level living, because there's a lot of older folks moving into the area, building their dream home, or just wanting to downsize where they can, you know, 2,500 square foot home is still larger than the national average. Mm-hmm. And they're looking to build that size and um, be able to live on one level, be able to have a house that doesn't, it's not such an albatross with the, <laughs> the lay of the land that it's set on, uh, have more definitely since COVID, this is a more recent trend, more outdoor living space has been a very um, big push to have three season rooms, covered porches, patios. Um, A lot of our landscaping partners have seen a huge growth in construction of pools, patios, outdoor fireplaces. And and I think that's all in in response to, one, the the beauty of the area we live in and to COVID and the idea of, you know, being outside is good for you. Yeah. And I think that's a fact. Yeah. Uh, so we're seeing that, you know, at least from a construction standpoint. So even if it's not new construction, even renovation. Yeah. So you said that you renovate like historic properties. We do. What's been like your favorite project? The most, my favorite project, which was one of the most recent projects we did, was uh, restoring the Waterford Mill Okay. in Waterford. So we did a partial restoration, did a lot of masonry work, timber framing, carpentry, uh, we uh, renovated the roof. We also rebuilt the historic Hearst frame, which was in the uh, basement of the building that actually housed all the milling equipment and absorbed all the vibration from that operation instead of the building itself. So that was a really fun project. It was a county-funded project, um, but there was a lot of trades that were involved that aren't typical with you know, just building a new home, like mm-hmm. a timber framer. Uh, you know, there was a millwright involved. There was an architect that did a lot of studies on the mill to help give us insight on, you know, what some of the, um, you know, practices were back in the day. That's awesome. So, did anything happen that you guys weren't expecting because it's such an old historic property? So we were not expecting to find that in the mill race where the actual mill wheel sits, there was a spring. We We... We're not really aware of that information until we started actually pumping the water out of it. And it kept just refilling and refilling. And part of the scope was to actually build a, a little retaining wall to prevent when the, the creek at the end of the mill race, the Catoctin Creek you know, rises due to you know, rain or flood. It'll come up back up the mill race and then it'll flood the basement of the, the mill. So we're going to build a wall to kind of keep water out of it. Mm-hmm. But we determined, you know fairly quickly that that would have been ineffective because the spring itself was at the bottom of the the wheel pit. 
So it's not like at home when your toilet floods and you can just like turn a little knob to like shut no. off the water. <laughs> it it could be millions of gallons of perched Holy groundwater really. that just yeah. keeps coming in. Um, you know, it would when we when we got drier in the spring, we had you know a little bit of a dry spell. You know, it slowed down, but then when it started raining again, you know that would eventually you know uh, be you know more water would be coming in from the spring. So that was probably the biggest. What'd you guys do? How did you navigate that? So we just dug some pit holes in there and we put some pumps in there and had them run 24 seven. And all we really needed to do in that area was kind of clean out the bottom. There was a lot of muck and mud and we had to repoint the wall, stone walls in that area. So once we got it pumped, the, the stonemasons wore waders. Mm-hmm. So they were like, knee deep in mud but they got their work done oh my gosh and then we let it dry overnight for a few nights just because they had to do it in sections um kept the water pump down and then eventually you know once it was dry we just pulled the pumps out and then it it um met its equilibrium once it filled in and then the the water eventually you know will drain away down to the creek that's awesome i mean that's like awesome like a fun you know like it was a very fun job. How did they navigate that back in the day? <laughs> yes. And they didn't have, you know, modern pumps. equipment. Yeah, they didn't like have all we that. do. So it was maybe buckets. Yeah, that's right. So. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Um, so for you personally, where do you see yourself fitting into the equation over the next 10 years or so? Are you going to stay with the business, family business? Or are you going to? Yeah, I, I, I hope to certainly stay in it. Um, I would like to grow it some more, focus on perhaps niche commercial construction work like historic restorations, um, such as that. I, I We do some development projects. I'd like to see us pursue some more of those. Um, my dad and his partner, I believe, will, you know, at least over the next 10 years, will definitely stay in it. Um, so I hope, you know, to help working with them. And, uh, you know, eventually when they may retire, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes from there. Awesome. But, um, How do you guys currently get all your business? Is it word of mouth? Is it? It sounds yes. like you guys do a lot of maybe like county bids or any type of. So maybe we, not a lot, but some. I would say ninety percent of our business is referral, word of mouth. Okay. Um, it's just in the construction business. It's just the most uh, effective way. Yeah. To to generate more leads and more business. Now the county work that is because it's public work. It ha- must be bid. Sometimes it's the lowest responsive bidder. Sometimes it's the lowest bid. Sometimes it's a negotiated contract, which is more rare. Um, but you have to you have to present a proposal bid. Anyone can bid if as long as they meet certain qualifications. Okay. A lot of it has to do with bonding capacity, which is basically your financial strength. Okay. They don't want you know a company that can't handle a job bidding on it. Mm-hmm. So they may that may not have the the financial resources to actually finish and complete the, the job. job. Yeah. That's huge with the construction yes. line of work, right? Yep. Cash flow is very yeah. important. I hear a yeah. lot of horror stories. Yes. Um, so marketing wise, word of mouth, I always like to ask mm-hmm. in these podcasts because um, a lot of business owners listen in mm-hmm. and they want to know like, you know, how it could be a photographer who's listening and mm-hmm. who's like, take a little nugget from something that you share and like apply it to their business. So besides word of mouth, are there any other ways that you're bringing in business? 
So I started in, we've always had a Facebook page. Probably started that in 2010, 2012. Um, I, when I joined the business in 2020, I one of the first things I did was start an Instagram page. And, uh, you know, I just, construction's all about pictures, right? So an Instagram was based around pictures. So I figured that would be a good way just to, even if they're not potential customers now, you know, friends of mine or other people that may not have the funds to do a project, just to show people what we do and be constantly in front of them. So they, you know, always know, you know, they, you know, they do historic work, constantly have pictures of mill projects or, you know, other historic renovations. And then eventually, you know, if you were consistent with that, I feel like people will reach out. I mean, that's how this, we got connected here. Um, and a lot, I, uh, follow and like a lot of other construction companies, a lot of designers feel like, uh, you know, collaborating with competition and, and other people that are in the industry, not necessarily exact customers really help you, um, on Instagram, like, especially liking and following interior for us interior designers. You know that lady I just I should have connected you cuz she's <laughs> one of the best in the area. Okay. Do you know her? Lee? Lee? No. no. Okay. Um I'll send you a okay. something later. <laughs> because they always have customers but of theirs but they need a contractor to do the actual to work. The job, yeah. So um and that of course we have a, we have a web presence and do some local SEO marketing, but nothing crazy. I, I've never found that like Google ads are super effective for the construction business, at least what we do. Yeah. Um, if you're maybe a service-based construction business that like a plumber doing repairs or electrician, that, that may be better, but. Now have you, do you guys, so do you specialize in, in historic? Yeah, that's probably 35% and... of our work. Okay. A third okay. of it at least. Okay. Um, yeah. I wonder if like you guys held some type of uh, not conference, but, you know, like get-togethers where you're bringing in the designers and you're bringing mm -hmm. in the people that feed you business, but then you're also collaborating and working with. But if you guys were the ones, or like when you guys complete a project, if you do like open houses or kind of like, you know, real estate agents will do. Mm -hmm. And really why real estate agents do that is because they're getting more clients and they're building their business. Right. Know, it also helps show the houses, but really it's so that they can get more business in the future, or at least that's the experience from what I've, I've been told. Sure. Um, but for you guys to do something similar to that, like when you guys finished the Waterford mm -hmm. property, like having like a grand reopening where you guys are hosting it and inviting the community and specific partners that could refer you additional business. Sure. I mean, the, the county, for example, we, we had a somewhat of that with the mill, uh, we invited uh, the Loudon Times Mirror to come in. They did a little article about it. And then s some folks from the county that were managing the project invited, like, the county administrator, some other folks that worked in the um, both elected and unelected officials. And they were, you know, fairly impressed with the work. So they, you know, they've asked us to bid on other projects because they don't always, just because they post a bid solicitation, doesn't mean they're going to get the best contractors to actually bid on it because there's yeah. so much work out there they may not know of it. So it's led us to have a better relationship with the county. Yeah. And they're actually asking us to bid on certain projects that they think would be good for us, which to me is a compliment to, of course. you know, the work that we do. 
Um, so doing good work always brings in more work. <laughs> yes. And being responsive. There we go. Being so. responsive. That's a huge one. Yes. There are uh, inquiries that I've put out. And to this day, I have not heard from them. And I followed up. So. Yes. That's I, I would say is one of the biggest things I hear from potential clients is I've called several people and no one's called me back. And I try my best to call, you know, any potential lead back within 24 to 48 hours, even if it's someone that I, you know, it's not a good fit, yeah. um, you know, just to let them know that, hey, I thank you for calling, but that's not what we do. Um, perhaps refer you to this person or, um, you know, I would just maybe do some searches on all the different resources we have through social media or, um, yeah. you know, at local advertising. Yeah, no, a better, awesome. better fit. No, that's great. Um, okay, so video. Have you guys started exploring video yet? We have. Okay. That video typically in the form of drone okay. work. Have you considered doing like, especially with um, the, the historic pieces, mm -hmm. just like a time lapse of the work being done? Or even like that story you're sharing about the whole you know, the water, the spring, like that would have been such a cool video story. Yes. Um, so we have done that with the mill. I was, I had our photographer out there doing drone work, um, say four times to try to get somewhat of a time lapse yeah. of it. Um, I'm working on through that with an, on another project, a, a new custom home. I had them out there when we were excavating, had them out there when we were pouring the concrete, then framing. And then I hope to have another uh, um, time where we're actually like 80, 90% complete with the outside of the house. Awesome. Just to try to tell the story of, to you know, the process of what it takes to build. And something that you could do, and I share this with you, but obviously we're recording it so other people listen to it and they're like, sure. oh, that's a great idea. Um, or it's a horrible idea. I don't know. <laughs> so taking your phone and knowing what it is, whether it's you or somebody else on site, knowing what it is that they're photographing is actually talking through what's happening because to me i just see a whole bunch of dirt right like the mm -hmm. excavating process is just a whole bunch of dirt and big old machines but then if it's it's comparable to like when i post a picture of us doing a photo shoot and it's like oh i love working with sally today it's like it doesn't really provide the viewer much context of what they're watching sure so then for you guys if you're like okay this is what's happening this is why we use these pieces of mach machinery. This is why we dig in this way. Here's some things that most people don't know about that people in the construction business know about. So you're really using that picture or that video piece or that aerial drone as a way to educate the consumers. And you're just talking through like a conversation maybe you'd have with somebody on the team. Sure. That way you share that piece on social media and it's not just a picture of the excavation, but then you're really giving them a deep dive into why you do what you do or how you do what you do. Yeah. I've, I, I've done that a couple times and I've, you're like, I already done that. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's just, you know, I'm not a big, it's all about me, you know, no, posting no, no. Me, and so I've like always been hesitant the to voice post my text. voice over. Oh, okay. Um, but you know, I, I know potential customers, customers, you know, anybody enjoys that because I enjoy that when I watch other people do it. I'm, you know, I'm curious about other things and, um, you know, uh, other work and, and I learn from what they're dis describing. Especially then when they call and you pick up and they're like, Ben, is this you? Oh my gosh, yeah. I've heard your voice. Like, 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so that's it's a good idea to probably continue to do that. Yeah, continue doing so. that. Because it, it, I don't believe it makes it about you when you're the one who's doing the voiceover or even if you're on camera. What you're doing is you're helping people feel comfortable with you because you will be the person they're, they're going to work with. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's yep. why I do a piece of why I do these podcasts as well. The more people see me and see the studio and see all the stuff, when they come into the studio, they're going to be like, oh, I already know you guys. I know how you work. I know your thought processes. I know that's why I came here is because I like you guys. Sure. And so you can see it like that versus making it all about you because I promise pe- other people won't think that. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, because you know, it's not what I am. I'm not You seem like a modest man. I try to be, Yeah. <laughs> So awesome. All right. Any last words that you'd like to share with our listeners about either where you guys are headed or any special project that you guys are working on or just general life advice? Um, I, I have found in my short career that, again, I, and I reiterate this because I've dealt with so many people, both my age, adults, older, um, being responsive is so important. And it's just so, I feel like, rude or disrespectful if someone reaches out to you to not at least acknowledge that and try to engage with them, whether it, because you never know who's a potential client or you never know who um, they may talk to and say, yeah, I reached out to them, but they didn't answer. And unfortunately, of course, a few always slip through the cracks, email gets get in the uh junk folder or, you know, a voicemail gets deleted or something. But I feel like that's been a really big goal of mine, you know, as a professional and it's paid off because I try to, um, you know, once I go out, do a quote, get that quote turned around within at least two weeks, depending on the complexity of it. And people, I'm usually the first one to get back to the potential customer. And honestly, the quicker you get back to the customer, the quicker they can say, yes, here's my deposit check. We're ready to go. And I, I feel like that's been one of the things leading to our recent success is just responsiveness and that communication. I think that is one of the best pieces of advice I've heard in a very long time. <laughs> Thank you so much for being Absolutely. on the Alan show. I appreciate you sharing so freely and openly with the audience. And I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Alamon Show. If you are a business owner, you are in the Northern Virginia area, or you're willing to come out and visit us here in our Leesburg studio, and you've been in business for at least five years, I invite you to apply or nominate a guest for an upcoming show. Go to alamonphotography.com and click on podcast, where you'll find a link to nominate a guest. And thanks as always for listening.